space, final frontier. These are the voyages of Starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilization, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim. With me, of course, is Admiral Elliot. Hi there. Um, we're going to be talking about um, Dreamcatcher from Prodigy and the Days cast from Deep Space Nine. But first, I'm sure everyone's already seen this, but we need to talk about the Trek news, um, which is that um, Paramount, Viacom, whatever you want to call it, looks to have bought out the deal that they did with Netflix uh, in order to distribute Discovery internationally, which means that the way you're going to be able to access Discovery internationally is going to be through Paramount+. Plus. Uh, but the bad news is that we don't know when Paramount Plus is launching other than it's sometime next year. Sometime in 2022. It's so... Like that now means is, that with two days' notice, there's no way to watch Discovery internationally. Yeah, it, it's like there's ways to watch it internationally because there's ways around it. Like, yes, we already know that. But strictly speaking, they have cut the, everyone off apart from America and Canada from watching it when it yeah it comes out. Um, now. We we knew that was the case with Prodigy, and yeah, it's one thing when it's a brand new show that's a kids show, um. So it's probably you know obviously we're covering it, we're enjoying Prodigy, but I get it if there's fans who are not that fussed for it. But Discovery, to all intents and purposes, is your flagship live action show. Yeah. And um, it, it's got a like, fan base, it's three seasons in, you know, this is the fourth season and then... Boom. It's got a fan base and, like, <laughs> when it launched, we all thought, great, because they had CBS All Access, it was mm -hmm. at the time it launched on. But they did the deal with Netflix and we understand there was a lot of money that Netflix helped with production costs and all that to take the show. But we were told that it was going to be a Netflix show. Yep. But and with two days' notice, they've pulled it. Yeah. It's not on. No, it's the timing of it, isn't it? I mean, <coughs> it, it's not great that we're not getting it, but if we'd have had a bit of warning, at least we could have got used to the idea. But two days' notice, boom. Is, if Paramount Plus isn't ready to go international... Why pull your shows from the international well, uh, streaming markets? We can only speculate, but my guess would be that they want season four of Discovery as a selling point for the new service. So it's out of spite, basically. It's like we... We don't want you to take the luster off our new toy, you know. We want it yeah. to be its first broadcast. Because, yeah, they could have left it on Netflix, let Netflix have it as normal, and the then launch the new like, service I imagine, with it. Like, they're going to find it really hard now to renew it for season five. 
because their figures are going to be so much lower than what they've been. That's true. Yeah, because they're gonna they're gonna like if they, like they'll have figures for it. What they're getting worldwide, and Netflix was showing it 24 hours after Paramount. In fact, it wasn't even 24 hours. They have yeah. huge data. Wow, there's all these tens of millions of people watching it. And suddenly all they've got is the American and Canadian market. They've lost. Star Trek has huge fan base in Europe. Yeah. It, like If you look at like the conventions in Europe, when they do... Like, we took part in it, one of them, the world record for the most people dressed as Star Trek characters. Yeah, yeah. It's always at the European conventions that this record is broken. It's not the American ones. Yeah. No, it's a shame. It's it's very annoying. Um, there's nothing we can do about it, but... It isn't, but... Uh, like, Paramount releasing, like, good news. It, you're going to be able to... It's coming to Paramount+. Plus. It isn't good news. Whichever marketing exec has put together that statement wants firing. Yeah. Because it's not good news. All it's done is angered a lot, a lot, yeah. a lot of people. Absolutely. And, yeah, I mean, they could have phrased it as, we're really sorry that you're not getting to see Discovery, uh, but we promise you it will be available, it'll be worth the wait. You know, they could have phrased it that way, but instead of, yeah, but, this is great news. No, it's not. Well, it isn't. They're not even giving us a date. All they're no. saying is 2022. For all we know, it could be 31st of December 2022 when yeah. Paramount Plus launches That's... by that statement. Yeah. I'm sure it won't be that way, but... No. I mean, the one good thing is that hopefully this will be the last streaming service you'll need to get for Star Trek. Like, I wouldn't be surprised to see Picard and Lower Decks go from Prime soon. Well, and like, the the worry <laughs> I have is that we've got Picard Season 2 starts after Discovery, early 2022. Yeah. If Paramount Plus hasn't started, is Picard going to be pulled from Amazon? Yeah, I mean... Are we going to see a fourth show that we can't see when it comes out? I mean, I, I suppose Jeff Bezos has got a bit more money than Mr. Netflix, so maybe they can afford to not do it, but I don't know. Um, anyway, uh, I mean, we could say a lot more about that, and you're welcome to come and tell us what you think on the, the Facebook group, but um, I feel like we've made our feelings clear on it, and we're yeah, just going like, The reality is that Voyager starts, <laughs> what, tomorrow? The new new season starts. I'm going to be able to watch it. I, I've got the facilities. You're going to be able to watch it. You've got the facilities. But there's millions of people who won't. No, absolutely. And, yeah, it's not good. Um, so, anyway, let, let's talk about the new episode that we have been watching then. Um, which is Dreamcatcher from Prodigy. And, yeah, again, I think Prodigy's off to a good start. I, I enjoyed yeah. this one as well. Um, I like that we've got Captain's Log, Stardate, I don't know. And yeah, that's the start like, of it. So they're you trying. Get, you get the impression 
that there's been a bit of a time jump this time between episodes. Yeah, Janeway sat him down and she said, I'm going to teach you some actual stuff now, you know. Yeah, and, and like they talk about it, like she's taught us how to plot a course, she's taught us how to do this, she's... I so worry. I worry. I don't think it's a. I don't think it's a massive time jump. No. But maybe a week or two. Yeah, like I worry about Janeway teaching him to plot a course because it's like, is that just going to be going to every nebula that you see? Because Voyager. <laughs> did a lot of... Well, she does do that <laughs> in this episode. Yeah. True. <coughs> oh well, not a nebula, but. And we do get an idea where they are now. So we were talking about it. Where are they in the Delta Quadrant? They're in, they're in Hirogen space. Yeah. So well, they're they're about season four Voyager is where they are. Season four five Voyager. Yeah. So they're about halfway between the caretaker and home at this point. Yeah. Yeah, because they've been through on 10 years by Kess. They've had a few other things. There may be, there may be 50 years at normal walk from home at this point. Maybe, yeah. But we know that the protostar is capable of more than just normal warp. We just don't know yeah. what that is. We haven't yeah. seen it yet, but... Yeah. Um, Janeway plays like the cadet card. As we said last week, she knows they're not really cadets. Um, but she plays this card like, well, you are cadets, so you need to go down yeah. to the planet. Well, and... this is this is the nebula thing on Janeway plotting a course for them. Oh, there's an unexplored M-class planet. Mm. And part of our mission is that we have to go explore these planets. So that, yeah. yeah. Uh, like, it's interesting, like, I'm picking up, um, what to say, um, Cecilia, mate. Uh, Life science, which is like fungus. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's go explore this. Why? <laughs> <laughs> because that's what Starfleet does. And I do get this sort of motherly vibe from Janeway here. Like, I know it's not real Janeway, but we're going to call it Janeway. <coughs> and yeah, she obviously thinks there's a lot of potential in these kids. And if I can just get them to to do the Starfleet stuff. I know they're not really Starfleet, but I think I can get the best out of them, I think is what, yeah. what she's thinking. And that's why she's still playing along with this, pretending... Yeah, if, you, <coughs> if, you, if you're not doing this as cadets, I'll have to inform your Federation overseers. Yeah, she's letting mm. them think that they've got one over on her. Like... Yeah, I... Like... I still don't buy that. She thinks that she really thinks to cadets. She no, knows I what's don't going, think she does. Going on. I think she knows that kids get a buzz off thinking that they've got one over on adults. So yeah. she's like, let them think that I'm falling for this cadets crap. And that'll mean that I can probably get myself to a position where they'll listen to me a bit more, where I can teach them a bit more. Um, so then they go down to the planet, and I don't know whether this is just for the sake of the plot, um, but the protostar goes into land rather than beaming them down. I was thinking this, like, when, we, when Voyager <laughs> has landed in the past, there's, there was a reason for it. Yeah. 
But this doesn't seem like there's any any reason apart from its plot makeup. No, it's there so that they can get stranded at the end. Yeah, and um, you can have the cool uh, buggy. Yeah, which is cool. Um, but the only other reason I thought maybe is could it be because they don't know about transporters? Because we know that not every species has transporters. Yeah. So maybe what, you think that she's hiding technology. Yeah, but not again. She's doing it for a learning experience. Yeah. You know, she's like get them to ask the questions, get them to realise that landing isn't always the best thing. So maybe she's giving them the leeway. They they might have just gone to right. Okay, let let's go land on the planet. Right, I'll I'll let them land and see how it plays out and. Yeah. So maybe, yeah, I don't know. You could know. be right, like... Like, you get the impression by one of the screenshots early on that they, that they actually in trans-warp, not normal warp, when they've been mm, travelling. Maybe, yeah. So they, can, they could have travelled a huge distance in these couple of weeks. Yeah, compared possibly. Compared to Voyager. Possibly so, so. they could have started, like, before, over in sort of the caretaker area with Kazons. And we know the Kazons didn't have transport technology. Mm-hmm. Um, Neelix, when we first met him, his feet to actions obviously didn't because he didn't know what a transporter was when they beamed him over. Yeah, true. So, yeah, it makes sense that they've got this and let's land. They found the ship on the planet, land, landed, so, and took off. So, yeah, they <laughs> land to get down. Yeah, so maybe, yeah, maybe it is this. <coughs> She's letting them, whatever their, their first impulse is. Let them explore that and then see what you can teach them afterwards. Um, we find out the limits of Janeway's hologram on this. Like, we speculated, is she... Does she have a mobile emitter? We find out she doesn't. She can't leave the ship. Yeah. We also speculated, and can she touch things? And we find out here, Gwyn walks through her later on, so... Well, we have seen that with holograms before that. There can be solid or we've seen it with the doctor where it can be solid or yeah, sort of okay. like ghost like passing through. Yeah, you're right. So maybe So I, I I don't have any problem that she at this point she's like just let it be walk through, but I, I I imagine that she can be solid if she needs to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll wait and see. Um you might be right there, yeah. I think with the <laughs> um hollow emitter, the mobile emitter. Um, like that was 27th century technology so I think it makes sense mm. that the Federation hasn't just been able to open it up and duplicate yeah they've not been off. able to mass produce it yeah that might, makes the, sense like, I imagine that the Doctor's going to be dodgy about them taking it and doing anything too much to it so he might have let them scan it but it's that sort of like deal let, him act, let them actually have it to build a new one yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, and it might take time to also duplicate the technology. Yeah. And then you mentioned the cool ground vehicle they get. Now, we were talking about things being toyetic last time. 
this yeah. is very toyetic. <laughs> I can see a play set where you get the proto start, you open up the shuttle bay, and you can pop this and, little vehicle and out. You've got this little buggy comes out. Yeah, so I can see. And you know what? I'd buy one. Not if it costs the same as that Playmobil Enterprise for 450 quid, oh, but... That's just ridiculous. It's down to 320 already on Amazon, it, so... It, it's still a, a, yeah, a ridiculous keep, amount of money. It can keep going down, keep going down. I might think about it, we'll see. Um, the planet looks beautiful. Like, I love that how it's got all these like rock formations that are like big rings and everything. Yeah. like That looks amazing. Um, and oh, then, like to be fair, like Prodigy looks visually stunning. Yeah, it does. All the way through so far, it has looked visually stunning. The, yeah, the absolutely. animation. There's been no expense spared on the animation yeah. level. And um, Gwyn then escapes again. She seems to be making a, a habit of this. <coughs> but well, she... to be fair, the first time she. She didn't escape. Um, Dal just turned off all the power. That's still escaping, though. She used yeah. it as an opportunity to escape. I'm going with escape. Um, and then now she uses... But she does it like it's that, it's sword, that sword thing that's thing. around her arm. Now... She control it mentally. Now, yeah, exactly. So we find out she's got some degree of mental powers, but also... When that sword sort of turns into a blobby thing, it looks very much like a changeling. Yeah, it like does. Like, the colour is even the same, that sort of brownie-goldy colour. Yeah. And it no, makes me wonder... I, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure she's telepathic or if she's had something implanted yeah. to be able to control. Yeah, I, it could go either way, yeah. Um, but it, it makes me wonder... I don't think it's a changeling as in I don't think it's a being... Uh, but it might be similar to what the geezer had in that locket, you know, when it was the key. Well, it could be a changeling because we do find out from DS9 that um, the founders sent uh, baby changelings out hundreds of years ago to every corner of the galaxy. We do, but we also know that changelings are... So it could be a baby changeling that they're managing to manipulate. Uh, Yeah, if it was a baby one, so I was going to say the... (coughs) Well, Odo was found as a small sample, wasn't he? True. When he finds the other one, it's a small sample. And this would be about that size. So if you captured one, you don't know what it is, but then you find, oh, we can stimulate its shapes by doing X, Y, and Z. Maybe, yeah. But it doesn't actually grow, so it becomes this weapon she's wearing. But yeah, I was just wondering if it was something similar, like the, was it Crodin? Who had the little locket with the yeah. key in it? You know, I don't know, but yeah, it could be a effectively an enslaved changeling. It's just that we've seen things that shapeshift before that are not changelings, but it's just the fact the color is very similar. It's the color, mm, the way it moves is similar. So yeah. I'm interested to see if anything more comes of that. We might just be wildly speculating, but we could be way ahead of the curve on. I'm noticing this. We could. I'd be... Well, no doubt we'll find out eventually, <laughs> but that's definitely intriguing. Um, and then we get these sequences on the planet where, obviously, eventually we find out what the planet's doing is giving you what you want to get you to stay. And I like that it tells us more about the characters. Like, Zero gets a maze with the engine at the centre. So Zero is someone... 
who likes to have mysteries to solve. Zero's obviously yeah. been thinking a lot about this engine and what is it and why are the two warp engines and then this thing in the middle. So I like that the way they've brought that back, the mystery, but Zero's obviously someone who's very drawn to this kind of thing. Yeah. And Rock's just adorable and just sees a load of... They look like them Furby things that you used to get. Yeah, um, sees loads of Furbies and she's... Yeah. ...in heaven. <laughs> exactly. And then Dal sees his parents. We know that Dal has got this mysterious past. So it's all it's all good, yeah, all these it things. Doesn't, it doesn't remember the faces, though, <laughs> either. Yeah, because they've got the back to him. And then... Kate Mulgrew gets to give us a little bit of almost evil Janeway, where Janeway becomes like the embodiment of the planet and turns on him, and so she gets to ham it up a little bit there, which is good fun. And yeah, uh, we have um, what's it, Buck and Jab? Jab. Oh yeah. Uh, just see something he wants to eat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. His is the simplest. And when they go around and rescue them all, it's like, you see that, like, Rock's really upset. She's like, well, they've hurt my feelings. Why would they make these cute things and then take them away just to manipulate me? Whereas Jank and Pog just don't care. Like, eh, well, you know. But it's tasted so nice. Hold on, why was I the last one you rescued? Yeah. (laughs) And then, obviously, Gwyn sees a dad... And there's quite a bit of development for Gwyn here. Um, she goes from this antagonistic thing, and it obviously sets up this thing of, is she going to save Murph or not? Well, of course she's going to save Murph, yeah, because it's Murph. Murph. How could you not save Murph? Exactly. And then I was a bit caught off guard with this. We get a cliffhanger. So... Prodigy, I assumed it was all going to be standalone episodes with sort of arc plots running through it. But no, we've gone for a direct cliffhanger here. So Yeah, there's yeah, there's no other way you can look at it. This is a cliffhanger. And yeah, so is this a sign of things to come? Are we going to get a big cliffhanger next week? Because I was going to say we're going into our mid-season break, but it's not the mid-season, so we're going into our quarter-season break, quarter break next episode. <laughs> so maybe we're going to get a whacking great big cliffhanger. I mean, the most obvious would be that <clears throat> the planet keeps them there long enough for the Diviner to catch up with them. Yeah, I was thinking that, that the Diviner would be the cliffhanger, but they've got to get away still. Maybe, yeah. Anyway, it'll be fun to find out. I'm enjoying yeah, Prodigy um, so like far. We see, we see the protostar crashes. Yeah. So it's going to take a bit of fixing. Yeah. Well, is it going to take a bit of fixing or is it going to just need all um, whatever it was entangling it, bringing off? Because mm. it was sort of pulled down, wasn't it? True, but they've still got to get back oh. there. and Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, definitely enjoying Prodigy. Uh, and next week will be the first week in 22 years that we've had two tre- new Trek shows on the same day. Wow. And when I say we, obviously, I mean only if you live in America. Uh, I know we said we'd shut up about, about the Paramount thing, but you've got to allow us to have a couple of digs as we go through. 
Um, anyway, going back then, let's look at the next one of the Dominion War, the die is cast, the second of the two-parter. And this is an absolutely cracking episode, is this one. Oh, like, I don't know if you noticed my thumbnail that I've done. Yeah. And I did, like, just to show that um, Gary Canoldo actually are really don't really mean it when yeah. we're doing all this. <laughs> I thought that was a, a lovely picture I managed to Yeah, find. it is. Yeah, the actors behind the scenes after yeah. the... And this is, like, in terms of the ambition, in terms of the scope, in terms of the storytelling... Where, where this this would be a season finale of... If last week had been the season finale, this would have been a great season yeah. opener. And... For season three, that they're this confident, yeah. But it's just—it's not the season finale. No, absolutely, it's just brilliant. So we 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 get one of my favourite arcs in all of Deep Space Nine is O'Brien and Bashir's friendship, and we've not quite got to the stage where I would say they're actually friends at this point. We we've got to the stage where O'Brien's tolerating him. Yeah. Which is a long way from where they were in season one. The episode starts so much mirroring how the last episode started. Absolutely, yeah. It's Bashir having a meal with someone. Yeah, no, it's brilliant. And then we get a massive big fleet decloaking to go through the wormhole. Is it ever officially established that you can't go through the wormhole if you cloaked? Um. Because otherwise there's no a, reason to decloak I've here. got a feeling that, that it's maybe something to do with the tachyons, that way you can't go through I thought cloaks. it must be that, because otherwise there's yeah. no reason to decloak other than just to show off. Um, but yeah. obviously... Or, or you'd see the worm, or all you'd see was the wormhole open and close. Exactly, yeah. So it sets up, wow, we've got this massive big fleet. We knew it was there, obviously, from... Yeah. last week but to see it on screen is just brilliant and then we go back to we pick up with an Abrantane and Garak and they're, they're just reminiscing now like old times they're having a bit of yeah. a laugh like do you remember when <laughs> yeah. you used to torture people and interrogate them and yeah do you remember that interrogation <laughs> you did on that doctor that was brilliant you just stared at him yeah. for four hours and he cracked <laughs> you just broke him yeah the... yeah you obviously you had that much of a reputation <laughs> and then we find but out that that tells you like what has Garrett done in other interrogations and all that, to have the sort of reputation where he can just stare at someone for a few hours. Oh, yeah. Them. He's clearly done much gorier inter- interrogations than this, but, but yeah, but he also had the ability to just stare at someone until they cracked, essentially. Yeah. And he mentions the business with the arms merchant, and this is all to do with Gulda Cat. And this is another great <coughs> Garak mystery, is we never get why exactly Ducat and Garak hate each other. No, it's... Again, Andrew Robinson answers it in the book, uh, which, as we know, the books are non-canon, but Andrew Robinson really put a lot of thought into that. It's not just a cheap tie-in. No. 
cash grab, anything like that. He really thought about Garak's backstory. And if you want a good account of it, it's in there. But officially, canonically, we don't know, other than it's something to do with an arms merchant. And then there's there's a nice bit where Inabrantain's talking about, well, I'm going to have to kill Mila because she knows too much. And <laughs> Garak, you can see, doesn't want this to happen. And as we talked about no. last week, we know it's because she's his mum. Um, oh, we assume that that's the case. Again, it's never officially confirmed. It's never but... officially brought forward. But it's, abso- that, but... it's absolutely there in all the oh, subtext yeah. and everything. And we find out that she actually believed Garak was innocent. Um, and in Abrantain still, mm, yeah, I'm still probably going to have to kill her. So... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, she knows knows too many of my secrets. Yeah. Um, We talked about this last week as well, where Garak was sort of testing the Romulans in front of Tane. And he does it again here, where the Romulan says, we're going at warp six. And he goes, warp six? I'm sure we could do better than that. Yeah, is is something wrong with your engines? (laughs) Yeah. So it, it is just brilliant how... Both Tane and Garak are just playing these games with each other, with anyone else who happens <laughs> to be the They're playing games with each other and they're playing games with Romulans. And... Yeah, it's just all one-upsmanship, isn't it? And it culminates in Garak's got to interrogate Odo. And the, all these scenes between the two of them are brilliant in this episode. Oh, it's like... <laughs> it's like there's the part... When it, before he starts torturing him when they're talking... And Odo's like disgusted in the fact he's betrayed him, and then and Garrett goes, "Yeah, because I swore my uh, loyalty to the Federation and you, didn't I?" And yeah, I'm... and he's right. He know. He <laughs> and didn't... he's right. I haven't done any of this. I'm a Cardassian. <laughs> yeah, he's done nothing of the sort, and he's never had any intention to. And yeah, Odo. Why would Odo assume he's a good guy? Odo's spent yeah. years saying, no, he's a spy. We shouldn't trust him yeah, with anything. he's a spy. He's part of the Obsidian Order. Yeah. And Odo thinks it's because Garak's feeling guilty about what he's done. And he's probably right. But I think he can only be basing that on instinct at this point because nothing Garak has done in terms of his actions, would lead you to that conclusion. No. Maybe Bashir knows him well enough to make that assumption, but Odo certainly I think, doesn't. I think Bashir gets played a lot by Garrick. Oh, and yeah. I'm sure there like, is a friendship between Garrick and the Doctor, but I'm sure from Garrick's point of view, a lot of it is he just enjoys winding him up. Yeah, oh, yeah, there's a lot of and that. Reading it. And watching him swallow all his lies. Mm. <laughs> and then Tane, this is a, a real sort of baller move from Tane. I'm going to send out a transmission saying that I'm off to kill them all. <laughs> and he's just there. Yep, yeah, I'm taking this fleet in. I'm going to destroy all of them. Away we go. And then the Admiral, the Starfleet Admiral's response to it He's pretty great. He's like, well, we've run a few scenarios and we think that he's got a good chance at it. So, yeah, we're not going to do anything. Yeah, we're not going to interfere. Yeah, we're... Which... I mean, it's, like, it solves a lot of problems. 
it, it solves a huge amount of problems. But end of day, what is the problem? Up until this point, we are still at the point where the founders are not the aggressors. All yeah. they have done is said, stay out of our space. And when the Federation have gone into their space, they've had the asses kicked. Yeah. Got seen invading force. And now the Federation are there going, oh, we're just going to let uh, this fleet of Romulans and Kardashians go wipe out the entire planet. <laughs> Genocide. Like, well, that's complicity. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. Yeah, they could warn them, but... Yeah, you've been complacent in a war crime. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad, to be honest. And we, We've spoken about this and, like, I think it's something that a lot of people, because we do always support the Federation, but when you're really looking at this, the, the whole Dominion War is the Federation's fault. Yeah, yeah. The, the founders do actually do nothing wrong. Yeah, they're not the good guys at this point, the Federation, and, um, and we're going to go to darker places, so... <laughs> and obviously Cisco decides to take the Defiant because he's got a crew member over there and that's what Star Trek captains do is they go, yeah. they defy orders to save the crew they defy orders because they know that they're morally right exactly <laughs> and um, Tane's questioning Garak's ability now to question Odo and Tane knows how to play Garak because that's how you do it. You just go, I don't think you can do this. Yes, I can. And that's it. Even if he don't want <laughs> yeah. to, he's going to now. But it's like Garrick says, Odo is very uh, thorough. Everything he, he saw and learned will have been in his report. Oh, yeah. No, Garrick's so right. out the secret. But I think for Tane, it's probably... I want to see if he'll do this to someone who might be a friend of I his. I think it's also a bit of a loyalty test. Yeah, that's what I mean. It, it absolutely is. He just wants to see whether Garak will do it or not. And ultimately, it does just come down to Garak just needs to, to break Odo. It's not a question of actually getting useful information. Yeah. But well, it isn't useful information. No, is it's it? not. It's it, it, like it prevents him from shape shifting, which gives us this great opportunity to have the the makeup dripping and everything like that, and him drying out <laughs> and his skin peeling and yeah, and it is absolute torture. And Garak just does get to the point where he, from Garak's perspective. He needs to get something out of Odo that he doesn't know. Whether that's relevant or not, he can't yeah. go back to Tane until... You've got to tell me a secret. Yeah. Until he's broken Odo, he can't go back to Tane. But Garak doesn't care what that is. He And he's practically begging Odo at one point. He's saying... Yeah, just, just tell me something. Tell me so anything me that I don't know. And then that's it. I can do it, but I can't stop this interrogation until I've done that because I'll lose face with Tane. Yeah. If I don't, and that's that's so lovely and complex is that situation, and it it kind of makes you on Garak's side a little bit, but you're like, well, 
you can stop. This is just about you yeah. saving face with Tane. You could go back and go, I couldn't get anything out of him. But at the same time, Garak cares enough about Odo to go, look, please just tell me something so I can stop. But he doesn't care enough to go, I would rather go back to Tane and tell him I got nothing than take you out of your pain. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's... Yeah. I'm willing to put you through this pain. I want it to be over as quickly as it can, but I will still do it to get what I want. So, it's just that beautiful grey area of... He's doing some things right, but not enough. Yeah, he's definitely a bad guy at this point. Yeah, and Odo's admission is just that he wants, <coughs> he wants to go home to his people, um, which doesn't give him anything. And when Garak reports that back to Tane, Tane's not surprised. You know, Garak even says, like, you know, I couldn't get anything else out of him. So what is it then? Because it's not... It's not proving it to Tane that he's doing. Is it proving it to himself that he can still get something out of someone? Possibly that he can still break someone. Yeah. Like it's interesting. Like, how long was he on the station before, like, the Kardashians abandoned it? Yeah, a long time. So it's sort of like, well, have you lost your edge? Yeah, because it... Cause Has it, been a tale that sort of dampened you. Yeah, because, I mean, we were just going through that there uh, on the assumption that it's because he has to prove something to Tane, but he doesn't tell Tane, so... Yeah. It's for his it's, benefit that he's doing it. Yeah. It's, it's sort of like, yeah, I'm proving that I can still break someone... Yeah. ...in an interrogation. <clears throat> and it's not about what... What you learn might be totally pointless because yeah. you might already have all it. They probably put all the info already in reports, so you know everything. And that it's makes learning it... that one little secret about it all. Yeah, that makes it even worse that this isn't for Tane's benefit. This is purely for Garak's. You know, back on the Defiant, though, we get another start of what turns out over the course of the show to be a brilliant story arc. Because we get Eddington sabotaging the ship under orders from the Admiral. Yeah. And at this point, Eddington's been presented as Mr. Starfleet. I do what the Admiral tells me. Whereas, obviously, the way Eddington's going to go... You can see it because he was sent sent to DSM. Cisco didn't pick him as a security chief. He was sent there. And then the Admiral's giving him an order... And he's carried it out. Yeah, exactly. And you get a great line from Cisco where he says, and I make it a policy never to question the word of someone who wears that uniform. And obviously with what happens with Ennington further down the line, that's going to become a really big thing. So it's yeah. lovely that the seeds of that are planted <coughs> this far well, this back. this is where it's first planted, isn't it? Because it goes, don't make me regret my decision. Yeah. Exactly, so that's brilliant. And I love the look that O'Brien gives him when he finds out Eddington sabotaged it and he's just yeah. like, you go fix it, O'Brien. And he just he just looks at him like he's a piece of shit. <laughs> brilliant. Um, and then, obviously, we get to the attack. So they're ready to open fire on the planet and there's 150 Jemadar ships, which just shows that 
despite how clever the Obsidian Order and the Talshiar thought they were, the Changelings are actually a couple of steps ahead here. The Changelings have all moved off the planet. Yeah, there's nothing there. But but they're doing something because they're showing that there's all the life signs on the planet. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's and, a trap. and then you see them starting to glass the surface. Yeah. With, like all destructors and phasers firing into it. Yeah. And that's it. And the, there's a brilliant bit where the Romulan who turns out to be a changeling, he says, right, we've taken out effectively the Romulans and the Cardassians here. The only other threats are the Federation and the Klingons. And they're not going to be a problem for a while. I've uh, in, in much a, a short time, and that's obviously setting up what happens in season four. They've got this plan to make the Klingons and Federation go to war with each other. Yeah. So it's just brilliant forward planning on all these story arcs that are gonna that are gonna come <laughs> well, in and are gonna intertwine. Yeah, there's so like you've got these great episodes, and this is a great episode, the story of it. Yeah. And like. The, the first parts of this story were in Defiant, which was, what, season two? Yeah. No, it was Defiant season three, but early season three. Is it? Right. But all <laughs> this is, like, coming... All these little threads of different things coming together. Yeah. And then we get... <coughs> we get what was probably up to this point, and we're going to say that a lot as we go through DS9... <laughs> Probably up until this point, the best Starship battle Star Trek's done. Certainly on TV. Some of the movies yeah. could make an argument. But we'd never seen anything like this on Star Trek Weekly Television <laughs> at this point. And it's just incredible. You've got the Defiant with those blammy phases and the bit where Cisco holds off until they get right up their ass, and then it shoots yeah. through about four of them. Uh, it's just brilliant. We've never had anything like that. The only thing that lets it down is that you cut back to the bridge and they go, we've got one of them following us. And then the culmination of the battle is just Kira pressing a button because we've obviously run out of money to, to, to do show the else. last one getting blown up. So it's a well, bit of a shame. But It's like the budget, like for TV shows at the time, the budget this must have been getting... Must yeah. have been through the roof. I mean, th- this you is... didn't get TV like this. No, you didn't. Uh, this is just phenomenal. Uh, phenomenal. I mean, obviously, we're about half a dozen episodes away from Way of the Warrior, which is going to lift that bar even <laughs> <Yeah>. higher. <laughs> but at this point, this was just spectacular. And it still holds up very, very well. A lot of DS9 <laughs> holds up really well. Yeah. Like... One of the reasons that there's like the like everyone keeps going, they want to see the remastered version of DS9, mm. and they go, it was and it was all shot in widescreen, so it blend itself to the format of today's TVs. But one of the big problems is compared to next gen, they've moved to CGI animation. That's it, yeah. And you have to actually do completely new CGI. Yeah. At all, like you can't just sort of like remaster it, and it's yeah, same that problem. That is the problem. Yeah, same problem with the motion picture, though they are bringing that to 4K later this year. Yeah. Um. Or oh, next year now, and guess what? That's on Paramount Plus, so we're not going to see it. Um, yeah. 
So, sorry, another dig at them, but I think we're doing well. <laughs> um, and Babylon 5 has the same problem. Uh, Babylon 5 me master. I'm actually watching Babylon 5 at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> me watching it. I've just started season 5. But they can't... And the remastered version does look a lot better. Yeah, but they can't do it a full HD remaster because no. of the effects for the same reason. Because of the effects, yeah. You can only lift them so far, you can't so, bring them into HD and all that. So instead of spending the money on doing that, they're just letting him do a brand new series of it. So we'll see. Yeah, I'm fine with that. I'm fine <laughs> with that as well. Um, and then obviously we do still get, despite all this battle and excitement going on, we do still get some great character moments like Odo's just confessed at the point of all this pain that he wants to go home. And then almost immediately, a founder asks him if he wants to come home, and he refuses again. Yeah. So even though he does have a desire to do it, he knows it's the wrong thing to do at this point. Yeah, his place isn't with them at the moment. So it shows how selfless Odo is as a character. Yeah, and, and he also saves Garrick, and the other changeling's confused by that. Yeah, I mean, and I, I don't blame him at this point, because... yeah. I think the Odo's one of them guys where he's like, Garak's under my care at this point, so even if I have to save his life, get him home, and then send him to Nick, that's my job to do, not anyone else's. <laughs> so he's like one of them Wild West sheriffs who's like, no, he's my prisoner. He's my, my prisoner, <laughs> I'll protect him. Yeah, exactly. And I, I will get him to the hanging judge. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to let anyone else shoot him in the meantime. <laughs> and then we do get some nice sequences with Odo and Garak at the end. There's a lovely shot of when Garak's cleaning the thing and you only see Odo in the reflection in the mirror. And that's just brilliantly framed. And it's it's an artistic flourish that the director didn't need to do, but it, it shows that... <laughs> They've There's got that the creativity. Yeah, the creativity, the freedom to sit there and go, Oh, that's interesting. I've got a mirror. I could frame a shot and this will look so much cooler. So brilliant. And, and then And then there's another little nice exchange between Odo and Garakia. Yeah, yeah. Like Quark wants to take this space and put some sort of gambling thing there. Mm. Uh, but we could get a tailor, but Cisco probably uh, wouldn't mind the tailor's shop. And then you get the really, Garrick and he goes, do you know what the really sad thing about all this is? I'm actually a really good tailor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. And he's left the interrogation out of the report as well. Yeah. So he, he keeps Odo's secret, despite the fact that he went to such lengths to extract it. Yeah, it's so it's, it's really it it's all like it, I think I find it very strange that Garrett's just allowed back onto his shop because it's like yes. the, the Alpha Quadrant. He has really. This is this is pretty bad news. Yeah, I mean Star Trek does have. We do do this with some of our recurring characters. Like we let them get away with things that they. They probably they shouldn't. shouldn't do because we need to keep them on the show. Like, I think we will get to it as part of the Dominion War arc, but 
I think it's the season four finale where Garak sabotages the Defiant while they're in the middle of Dominion space and he tries to <laughs> open fire on the new Changeling homeworld and it's like, yeah, that's a bit far. Yeah. Like that, that one you probably won't get away with. Uh, but anyway, and they agree we'll they're going to... that one. <laughs> we will. Uh, they agree they're going to start having breakfast. So Garak's getting a very full social calendar. He's got breakfast with Odo, dinners with Bashir. Yeah. Getting to yeah, know like, the whole crew. Like, that shows a thing, though, from Odo, that he's... Like, does he want to find out more about Garak? Is that why he's doing it? That we should have breakfast? Uh, it could be. He's maybe a bit like Quark. I can keep an eye on him if I, if I check yeah, in with like, him. Like... Aldo has obviously got is obviously very good at the spy business himself yeah. and finding out things and he has his own contact contacts all over that we see lots of times. Oh, I'll use this contact and I've contact and I've used this contact and well, who Garak, are these people? Garak would definitely be a good contact to have, but you'd never know whether what he's telling you is right or not. That's the yeah, only way. I, I think Aldo knows how can see through him though. Maybe to some extent, yeah. Well, we'll find out again. This won't be the last time we see Odo and Garak, so... It won't. And like you say, the the amazing thing is this isn't even the season finale, though... I know. Though I do... I know it's not mid-season, it's getting towards the end of season three, but it's still only getting towards the end and the throwing out things like this. I do think, to an extent, the actual season finale does suffer a little bit because of this two-parter. Because yeah. you're like, wow, if they do that, there must be something amazing coming in the finale. And it's a good finale, but it's not as good as this. And But then they make up for that by giving us Way of the Warrior as the season yeah, four get- premiere. So... Yeah. I'm not complaining. Anyway, so that, that'll do us for this time. Next week, then, we're going to be covering uh, Prodigy and Discovery. Two brand new Prodigy, episodes. Prodigy, what season finale? Yeah, and then the season um, premiere. Prodigy season four premiere. Yeah, which is going to be great we, fun. Regardless of what Paramount Plus have done, we're going to manage to see them. Absolutely. Like they say in Jurassic Park, life finds a way, so just <laughs> don't ask us, we won't tell you, but rest assured yeah. we will be covering it. Um, so if you want to get in touch with us in the meantime, um, we're on Twitter at RetrekPod. Uh, you can email us, RetrekPod at gmail.com. You can come and join us on the Facebook group. One last request. Totally understand if you don't want to hear our coverage of the upcoming episodes, if you're not able to access them, just leave, leave your subscription on, though, on your podcatcher, you know, so we get the downloads. But, you know what I mean? You can listen, you can delete them straight away, but just, yeah. you know, let us get the... Well, you can look at it as something to catch up with uh, later. Exactly, just, just... Listen to us when you do finally get to watch this. Yeah, leave your, leave your subscriptions running if you don't mind. That would be really nice. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, hopefully it'll be very early next year. When let's hope so. Paramount Plus International release started, but... We hope so. Really angry about it. Yeah, I'm not best impressed, if I'm honest, but... Um, 
like I say, if you want to come and have a good moan about it, come and join us on the Facebook yeah. group. Yeah. Um, but Open to moan. <laughs> absolutely. But thanks for trekking with us this time, and we'll see you next time on the retrack. Thank you. Bye bye. <laughs>